You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, blessing to you on this wintry weekend. It's a weird place around here, but we're glad that we've got this ability to record and so you can see it whenever you are or wherever you are to look at this whole story that we've been following through in Matthew. It's just, it's such a crazy story here because Jesus has been having this trouble with the Pharisees and with the people. They've had controversy in all kinds of things. And you heard Jay last week talk about Jesus, talking about the way he is humble and gentle. And that's a virtue that he exhibits and a virtue he calls us to do, humble and gentle. And the Pharisees, the very serious ones, the very, very, very serious ones, are not humble and gentle. They are aggressive because they see him as a sinner. And sinners are not tolerated by the serious ones. So it comes this conflict because, well, let's, let's read it together here. If we look in Matthew chapter 20, chapter 12, starting at verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so he could talk and see. Whoa, that's pretty amazing. All the people are astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees saw it, they said, it's only by Beelzebul, this prince of demons, this fellow drives out demons. Well, Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. He said, if Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your people drive them out? So then it will be your, you will be your judges. But... If it's by the Spirit of God, if it's by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. So I tell you, so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. But blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. This is our passage to ponder here. What an incredible story. Dramatic encounter. Accusation, counter-accusation. I mean, Jesus is coming off with incredible power. The people, they're astonished. The Pharisees, the serious law-oriented people, they're unhappy. They see a threat coming. 
Let's dig in this a little bit. I'm stuck with this passage. They brought to him a demon-possessed man. Now, we don't know about it except this. Because of the possession, he can't talk and he can't hear. And it doesn't say here how Jesus healed him. It does in Mark chapter 1. Well, this is a picture of him healing a deaf man from the Jesus film. And Jesus does it just with a, a simple thing. He just looks at the man in Mark chapter 1. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out with a shriek. Maybe it was the same kind of thing here. But the thing is, Jesus just heals him. The people. <laughs> oh my gosh. They're astonished. They're amazed. And they think, could this be the son of David? Now this is a messianic title, going back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. There will be a son of David who will be living, and his throne will be no end. And when you see this, we hyperlink immediately back to Isaiah 35. And if you're like me, I love, love, love Handel's Messiah. This is number 16. It's an alto solo. Then shall the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. The alto sings. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. And the people watch this deaf, mute man begin to speak. Isaiah 35 sticks in their mind, immediately leaps into their attention, and they're saying, oh my gosh, it's the Messiah. Because you see, exorcists can't normally deal with deaf, mute people, because how do you communicate with them? They think he is the promised Messiah. They do. And for good reason. He's fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. But <laughs> that's not the only thing. While they think, wow, this is the son of David. The Pharisees, the very serious ones, they have a different explanation. And their explanation, this is by Beelzebul. Now let's dig into that Beelzebul just a little bit because that flicks us back to Beelzebul from 2 Kings, this is where Ahab, you know, he's the bad guy that got crossways with Elijah about the rain thing. But now Ahab is going to the god of Ekron. It's a Canaanite high-level deity. And Elijah gets come back to him and says, is there not a god in Israel to inquire of? And he says, you're a dead man. And by the end of the chapter, Ahab is dead. Now think about that when you think about the unforgivable sin here. This is, this is, a, this is a repeat story. But Baal-Zabal translates as Prince Baal, which could translate something like Lord of the High Abode. And this is a chief god in the Canaanite pancar, uh, the, in the Canaanite uh, pantheon. And when Jesus interprets it, he's saying, this is Satan. Because he immediately goes to, this is the chief of all the demonic powers. And they're saying, you're doing it by Satan. Except they kind of insult him by saying, you're going to the God that got Ahab killed. How can you be from God? I mean, it's a huge conflict going on here. You do it by Beelzebul. We know who you are. This accusation comes back. They think he's a Satanist. I mean, that's really what they're saying. This guy isn't from God. He's a Satanist. 
We, the serious Pharisees, we have it right. Well, boy, is the confrontation set up. But see, Jesus is doing by healing, by truth, but also by strong words, by strong words. He knew their thoughts. Every kingdom designed against itself, he says, will fall. Every city household divided against itself will not stand. I'm mean, talking about civil war. A nation that's in civil war cannot protect itself from outside attacks. We see that happening. We see it right now in Myanmar with what's going on there between the, the forces of what we say democracy and the forces of military. And they've got the coup going on and the kingdom is divided against itself. It's, it's perilously in trouble. And he's comparing it to something like that. If Satan drives out Satan, because you're saying I'm doing this by Satan, but who I'm going against is Satan and his minions. How can his kingdom stand? He's tying him in logical knots here because he's saying, and this is the mission of Jesus, is to crush the head of the serpent. That's what he's doing. If I drive out demons by Beelzebul, he says, if I'm doing it by Satan, who do your exorcists do it by? Because see, their exorcists could drive out demons too. God can drive out demons. The exorcists can drive out demons. And demons can drive out demons. I mean, they don't do the big thing, but a demon will happily sacrifice a little demon for the sake of deception. But what he's saying is your Jewish exorcists, are do, they're doing exorcisms. If I'm doing it by who are they doing it by? I mean, he's just tying them in knots because they're, it just doesn't work. Their accusation doesn't work. But here's what he says. And this is a heart of the thing. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, that's how I do it. And if I do that, then what he's saying is, if I do it by the Spirit of God, that's what he's saying. And, and just a point here to note, he's not doing it because he is God in the flesh, though he is that. He is relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's the same Holy Spirit that you and I have as followers of Jesus. And if he can deal with demons by the same spirit that he used, we can do the same thing. And he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now, I think about this. The kingdom of God has come upon you, but what he's saying here is, who's the you? Clearly, a deaf-mute man. I mean, now he's speaking. Now he's rejoicing. His family are ecstatic. The people are amazed. But see, it's not just you, delivered man. It's y'all, all of y'all. The kingdom of God has come upon you because Jesus is here doing this work by the Spirit of God is what he's saying. And we who are in that same place... We can deal with this. We can deal with this. The kingdom of God has come upon you. Now I ask, what is that? Kingdom of God, I mean, we've talked about it in the series. The kingdom of God here is this work that Jesus is doing, establishing his rule and reign over, can you fill the blank in there? <laughs> of course you can, over all of creation. Because the curse that came back in Genesis 3 has touched all of creation the kingdom is touching all of creation. It's defeating the human and angelic evil powers. So it's not just the king of Tyre, it's the god of Tyre. It's not just the king of Babylon, it's Marduk, the, the 
prince, the god of Babylon, the demon god of Babylon. Bringing order to all relationships. And we're seeing in our country today, and certainly here in the Portland area, we're seeing the disorder going deep. And that's a demonic spirit that's loose here in our city, in our region, that's destroying order, and you're seeing people push back against it. But there's a big battle with the, the anarchists that's going on and just the, all the, the garbage and the graffiti and the broken windows and the vandalism. and the, That's all ruining relationships. And God is here to bring order to those relations, or a good word I like is the word shalom to relationships. So all relations, God, others, self, rest of creation, well-ordered as God designed it to be. That's kingdom work, enacting justice. Now that word can be hijacked for bad stuff, but it's a beautiful word. And this isn't just criminals going to jail. This is justice means things is as God designed them to be. This community with things ordered as God designed them to be, that's what he's doing as a kingdom and being worshiped as Lord. The fundamental thing is Yahweh is Lord, not Baal, Belzebul. Kingdom is establishing rule and reign over all creation, defeating the human and angelic evil powers, bringing shalom to all relationships, enacting justice, and worshiping him as Lord. That's the kingdom of God. That's what he's saying. This has come upon you. It's begun. A lot of work yet to do. An analogy that I often use is D-Day. June 6, 1944, the Allied armies landed there at Normandy, June 6th, early in the morning, against huge odds. But I think by God's grace, they were able to establish a beachhead. And by the end of that day, once that beachhead was established, there was no chance, no chance for Hitler to win in World War II. No chance whatsoever. The decisive battle had been started, undertaken, and won. And in the winning of that battle, the outcome of the war was absolutely certain. But the war didn't end for another 11 horrific months until May 11, 1945. We're in that in between time, the decisive battle has been won at the cross and the resurrection, the exaltation of Jesus. But the war is hot. And that's why we need lessons like this. How do you do this? Demonic methodologies. Primary thing that demons do is they deceive us. There's in the notes that you can download if you haven't already, there's a bunch of references there you can use. But that's, I th- Paul says here, I fear that a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And see, that's what happens in in deception, is the deception is, (laughs) you're in trouble. I mean, I've just been, we've been touched by death here. Uh, you heard that last Sunday as we talked about Grant Fisher and being run down by just on his way to work, just run down. Phil Johnson, former librarian at Multnomah, good friend over a long time. Phil and Debbie, Aaron Woodard, 
They've been part of our fellowship in the past, good friends for many of us, and Phil just lost a long battle of COVID, and he's with the Lord. And I read Debbie's Facebook post. She's so glad that he's with the Lord and not fighting anymore, but they don't get to do grandparenting anymore. And see, Satan's deception is, death is more powerful. Your God doesn't care. If you would have done something, you would have healed Phil. Those weeks in the ICU, that just proves that your God isn't much of anything. See, that's deception. And brings in doubt. Look at the problems. Oh, the problems are so huge and we don't look at God. That's deception. Satan is an incredible deceiver and a good one because every lie is based on a nub of truth. Every lie is based on a nub of truth. That's what Satan does. He looks a little bit of truth, expands it out into a lie. I'm powerful. Well, he is. Therefore, your God isn't. No, no, that's the lie. That's the lie. And you always come back to the truth and say, wait a minute, what's wrong with that? Well, there's nothing wrong with a bit of truth. It's the lie that's built from that. He's a deceiver and a good one. He's a, an accuser, accusation. And you look at this. This is from Revelation 12. Now have come the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. And that's what, that's what he does. He's the accuser. That's what Satan means, is the accuser. And he does this, and the accusation is, you know why you're suffering? <laughs> you know why things are not going well for you? Because you're broken. You suck. I mean, you're an embarrassment to God. Don't even use the name. See, that accusation is there's something wrong with you, and that's where the real problem is. See, that's the accusation. And because there's a nub of truth to it, it sticks sometimes. No, we come and say, I am a child of the Lord Most High. You are only a created being and an evil one. I speak rejection to you. I will not listen to you. Get away from me. Get out. Shut up. That's what Jesus did. He's also a temptation. And in temptation... I mean, this is Paul again speaking. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and our labors might have been in vain. See, the temptation, the fundamental temptation is my way is easier than, than God's way. It's how you tempted Jesus in the garden. Hey, you know, kings of the world, I mean, worship me and we'll get it done. It's way easier than that cross routine. See, and the, te- the, the temptation is to say his way is more effective, easier, and more fun in God's way. It's temptation. Let's take the easy way. And initially it is easy. Just that it leads to death and well that's the other thing he does. Satan is into defiling, desecrating and destroying. John 10.10 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Oh it looks good. It looks good. It's like drugs. You know crack cocaine. Man the first hit they tell me is incredible. You need another one, another one, and then after a while, it's, it's not incredible anymore. It's destructive. So many different areas. So many different areas. I look at, oh, I mean, just one example, because I've just worked with several people who've dealt with this just recently, is the whole issue of porn. Oh, man, that's so fun to look at those pictures. Oh, wow. It just gives me a thrill. So exciting. And it kills you. It numbs your ability to relate because of the, I mean, see, that's what he does. 
It's initially fun and easy, but it defiles and desecrates and destroys and brings death. That's the work of Satan. Don't mess with him. Don't talk with him. Don't argue with him. Don't discuss life with him. Say, shut up, get out, and talk to Jesus and talk to his people and do his way. Or in the short run, it'll be more difficult. But then you get to see deaf, mute people speak again. You get to see people bound up by shame and guilt and fear, released and rejoicing. I've just had this happen this week. I wish I could tell you the story. I wish I could tell you the story. It's too confidential. But I just saw somebody who's so bound up by shame be released by the power of God. That's what God does. He releases to a genuine, worshipful freedom of the kingdom of God. How can anyone enter? That's a, have you ever watched it? That, I mean, that's a weird verse, isn't it? How can anyone enter a strong man's house and care of his possession unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he, what does that have to do with anything? It's like going into you know, a drug lord's house. What's he talking about? Well, let's look at a piece at a time. Now, remember the context. Jesus says, I'm doing it by the Spirit of God. They say, you're doing it by Beelzebul. You're doing it by the prince of demons. You're doing it by Satan. Well, let's look at that. How, so, who's the strong man? As Jesus tells this little parable. Jesus loves parables because they're really simple at first shot, but incredible depth. The strong man? Well, that's Satan. He is the prince of this world. He is a strong man. He is the ultimate drug lord. The strong man's house... Well, the strong man's house is the dominion of darkness. It's, it's, it's Satan's kingdom. It's his fear of authority. By his usurpation, by his invasion, by his coup against God. So Satan's kingdom and care of his possessions. What does Satan own that we care about? Well, it's people tied up with demons and therefore deaf-mute. These are people. These are people. Unless he first ties up the strong man. Now, a word that's often used, but not here in the NIV, is the word binds the strong man. And there's a lot of magical stuff associated with that word, but it just means tie up. And what the, happens when you bind the strong man and this drug lord kind of thing is you break his authority. And he has things, but you come in and you tie him up as you break his authority and that's what Jesus is going to do then you can plunder his house you can empty his house of that human possession so let's put this in the notes here defeating the devil what Jesus does is he binds the strong man ties him up so he cannot do his nefarious stuff and he does that by breaking his authority and his authority comes out of sin and death and he breaks that. And then what we do is we plunder his house. And that means we're rescuing people from being entrapped by the devil. That's our goal. That's our goal. Is to help you get free from the devil and his evil ways, whatever that is. There's all kinds of bondages. Bad practices, broken relationships, deep shame, fear, demonic attachments. That's what we're talking about. It's giving freedom. And we've got to have the strong man bound up. But see, that's what Jesus is doing on the kingdom. He's going to ultimately do that at the cross, at the resurrection, 
at the exaltation because he is God come in the flesh, working by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this, I love this phrase, Isaiah 61, quoted in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight to the blind. You see, all this is coming up here in Matthew's gospel. To set the oppressed free. See, that's the heart of it. That's what Jesus is here to do. And the accusation, the deception that works right now is that Christianity is an oppressive system that is anti, put in your favorite thing there. That's the same kind of accusation they're making. You cast out demons by Beelzebul. Christianity is an evil press because it, I mean, you know from your watching the news, if you're doing that, it's being accused of being a uh, homophobic, misogynist, oppressive, guilt-ridden, and it's not. But that's why it's being portrayed. So it's Christian nationalists. And I look at the picture of back at uh, January 6th with a picture of people in the name of Jesus, standing behind the speaker's desk in the house, and they're proclaiming liberty as they are doing an insurrection in the Capitol. Yeah, I've got opinions on it. And that's the picture. Said that's what Christianity is about. No, that's not what Christianity is about. That is not men. That is not gentle, humble Jesus. See, Jesus does a different thing. He stands with courage. Mike Pence, an example of that. But put his life on the line. See, that's what we're talking about there. Deliverance for the captives. Now, a final point here. And this one's tough. This one's tough. Every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven. Okay? Let's put the note. What word goes in there? What word goes in there? Like, how? what word? Yeah? What is it? Every Every sin? Like really? Every sin will be forgiven if you accept his forgiveness? Love Colossians 2. You are dead in your trespasses. He made you alive with him. He forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt, that list of things that have been done, erased it, taken it away, nailing it to the cross. This is, what he, this is what Jesus does with sin, guilt, shame, fear. He disarmed the rulers and authorities who want to accuse and deceive and tempt, destroy, defile, desecrate, disgraced them publicly by showing their true agenda and triumphed over them. See, that's what Jesus does. He, what goes in the blank? (laughs) What goes in the blank? Every sin. Every sin. Every sin. There is no sin that cannot be covered by the blood of cross. No sin that it could be cleansed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. Every sin. 
every sin. But, and that's the big but, blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. What is this about? What is this about? Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit, mm -mm, not forgiven. This age or the age to come. I find it kind of interesting. People use Jesus as a cuss word, and they do it a lot. I've never, everybody used Holy Spirit as a cuss word. Maybe it's because of this. I don't know. But that, well, what's it talking about? First thing I'd like to suggest to you, it is not, not, not some gross act. Why? Because every sin can be forgiven. Like every sin, Jesus says, it's not some particular gross act. I worked with a guy a while back who was committed to the idea that he had done the unpardonable sin because his mom, who had prayed for him his whole life, he was beside her as she was dying, and she said, son, I'm praying for you. Please turn to Jesus. And he cussed her with vile words as she died. I said, I can never be forgiven. And I tell you, on the authority of Jesus Christ himself, yes, that can be forgiven. So what's the sin? What's the sin? Well, here's Jesus' claim. I cleanse this man by the Spirit of God. The Pharisees say, no, you did it by Satan. See, what they're doing is they're refusing the Holy Spirit's work. They're refusing to believe that this is God. They're refusing the work of the Holy Spirit. And see, that's the unforgivable sin. It's rejecting the work of the Spirit. And what does that mean? What's the work of the Spirit? Well, John 16, it's to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What the Holy Spirit does is he shows us our sin. He convicts of sin. He shows us his sin. But see, conviction showing us they could be forgiven. And we say, I, I don't need that forgiveness. See, that's the unforgivable sin. What Jesus, what the Spirit does is he gives testimony about Jesus, the advocate, the Spirit of truth. He'll come from the Father and he will testify of Jesus. And we say, nah, don't you? See, that's the unforgivable sin. It's rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not any specific sin. Every single sin can be forgiven. Now, here's the crazy thing. Can the unforgivable sin be forgiven? Think about it. Can the unforgivable sin, rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, can that be forgiven? Can it be repented of? Can the unforgivable sin of rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit, attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil, can that be forgiven? Can that be repented? And the answer is, Absolutely. See, the only unforgivable sin is the one that you will not receive his forgiveness. That you say, no, I don't need forgiveness that. I'm okay. I don't need you, Jesus. And we say, I don't need forgiveness. And you can't be forgiven. What sin can be forgiven? Every sin. What's the condition? Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. We've got to admit that we have a need, but that's what the Holy Spirit does, is show us our need as a conviction. When I think about this, as we come to a conclusion here, 
does the voice I hear, and we all have inside voices, does the voice I hear convict or condemn? See, the voice of the Holy Spirit convicts. It says, ooh, that's sin. And that's why people say, oh, Christianity is just full of guilt. No, no, no. <laughs> the guilt doesn't come from Christianity. But Christianity won't pretend like it's okay. Jesus doesn't overlook sin in his grace. He helps us with sin. The conviction looks at the sin and shows it for what it is, but it does it with hope. Condemnation, what's what Satan does? You're, you're despicable. There's no, forget you. You may as well go debauch because there's nothing good you can do. I mean, it's extreme, but see, the difference in conviction, you look with hope. Condemnation, you look with despair. And the message of Jesus, there is therefore no, no condemnation for those in Christ, Romans 8.1. A second question. Do I trust God's testimony or mine? See, God's testimony is if you confess the sin, God says, I am faithful and just to forgive that sin and to cleanse from all defilement, all shame, all fear. I just talking with a woman just literally just before I came here who was saying, but I, I, I know I can't be forgiven. I say, why do you know that? Well, I just, I just know it. I said, what does God say? Every sin can be forgiven. And see, that's the question. Do I listen to God's testimony? This is sin. This is the way to deal with it. I receive that forgiveness. Or do I listen to my testimony? I had to work really hard to make up for it because it's sick what I did. See, God's testimonies are forgiveness and cleansing and honor. Our testimony is, I got to work really hard and I don't think I can do it. And you're right, you can't. You can't. You can't. God can, as much as the cross. Lastly, am I doing the language of Jesus? Am I just giving words? Or am I doing the life of Jesus? See, and that's the bottom line question. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, the kingdom of God has come upon us. It really has. It really has. And if we'll receive that, say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. God, I've, I've got all this dirtiness. Will you cleanse me? I'm so bound up. Will you for, release me? And the answer is, yeah. Yeah. But that's the life of Jesus. It's not just language. It's not just saying things. It's not just coming to church. It's not just, no, it's, receiving the life of Jesus that comes by the Holy Spirit. And that's what I ask you right now. Whether maybe you've never really trusted Jesus to cleanse that sin, to heal that fear, to release that shame, this would be a great time to do it. I love this picture from the chosen. Jesus, this is what he does. He takes people bound of all kinds of things, brings them freedom. And that embrace, he says, Come unto me, you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Come and receive life from me. Freedom, forgiveness, cleansing, honor. It's a message of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of who you are, the compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, loving, faithful, forgiving, just God who keeps pursuing. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into our, this world as Emmanuel to bring your life to our death, to bring your forgiveness to our sin, to bring your honor to our shame, to bring your power to our fear. Thank you for dying, rising, exalting, pouring out the Holy Spirit so that that same Spirit that empowered you can come in our life and show us where we need your help, we need your forgiveness, we need your freedom. Search me and know me, O Lord. Know my thoughts. Show me if there be any wicked way in me that you will lead me in the way everlasting. That is our prayer from Psalm 139. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will convict us and we, by the power of that very same Spirit, will receive that conviction that we can have freedom and wholeness and joy and hope, the life of Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Go change the world. I love that song at the name. I love that song. Love that song. Reminds me of Philippians chapter 2 that's talking about this whole thing. It's talking about Jesus who did not consider equality with God something to be hung on to, but emptied himself of the very status of God, the privileges he had as God of the universe, and became a servant, humbling himself, even to becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. So he could disarm the rulers and powers and authorities we saw in this story. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, it says. See at the very right hand of God and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow on heaven and on earth. And the crazy thing is, Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated with him at the right hand of God. We have that same kind of authority to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I say to you, your sins are forgiven. We can say that. By the authority of Jesus Christ, we can say to demons, you must leave. By the authority of Jesus Christ, we can say, I can live triumphantly, even as horrible things are happening. What an incredible testimony that, yeah, by the Spirit of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you, bringing release from the captives, cleansing, giving us the spirit of dancing instead of the spirit of heaviness, gladness instead of the oil of mourning, even in the presence of death. This is the testimony of the kingdom of Jesus Christ who comes by the power of the Holy Spirit to give us hope and joy. Let's pray one more time as we finish our service. Lord Jesus, I just have to say, thank you for coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for pouring out the Holy Spirit on us so we can continue your mission until the day of victory when Satan is finally sent to the pit, sent to hell itself. But Lord, those who are trapped in his clutches, we want to bring freedom to the captives. We want to bring release to those who have been trapped by deception, by accusation, by temptation into ways of destruction and violence. Give us that gentle, 
strength and assurance that comes by knowing that we are members of the kingdom of the Son of your love, Father. Holy Spirit, empower us to do your work, to take good news to the world with a spirit of hope, with gentleness, respect, and above all, worship for the King of the universe. We pray, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Go change the world. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.